0: Hi, this is Pastor Nelson Mercado. Thank you for tuning in to our podcast from the Nashville First Seventh-day Adventist Church. I hope you are blessed by today's message. Let's bow our heads. Oh, Father God, we thank you for so, much, uh, so many blessings you give us. Today, we, we respond to those blessings by exalting you, worshiping you, because you are God, and only you are God. We are privileged to have your word. Today, we pray that you will grant us the understanding of it that we need. In Jesus' name, amen. So inside your bulletins, you have a, um, a study guide. This one is uh, sort of a, a multiple choice, true and false. We don't have a PowerPoint today, but um, it, it'll keep you engaged in the message. So I hope that you can uh, use it. Uh, you know, once in a while, I'd like to talk about difficult passages in the Bible. There are passages in scripture that are not as clear as others, and that often time when somebody presents this particular passage, uh, it gives us a little bit of a hard time to explain it. This is particular truth when when you think about it, us as Seventh-day Adventists, although we are Protestants, um, some of our beliefs, biblical beliefs, differ a little bit from Evangelical Christianity, and so when we talk about these little different things, sometimes those who uh, view things a different way will present a particular Bible passage. What about this passage? And there are some that maybe are not as clear as others, and they give us a little bit of a hard time. And so once in a while, I like to talk about passages like this, and this is um, the example we're going to use today. Now, notice the, the message, the title of the message is A Grave Misconception. There are many misconceptions in our world today. I think especially in the last year and a half. Many misconceptions. Now, if we were to define the word misconception, it's simply a view or an opinion that is incorrect because it is based on faulty, uh, faulty thinking or understanding. Right? So it is an incorrect belief or a conclusion really based on you could argue, incomplete information. We don't have all the information, maybe we don't look at all all the information, and so we come to a wrong conclusion. It's a misconception. And and there's misconceptions just about anything. Just about anything there's a misconception. I was surprised to find some misconceptions about some common things. Let me give you some examples. Coffee is made from coffee beans. That's something that we hear about, right? Well, in actuality, uh, coffee is made from a seed. The difference is the seed is called a bean, but it's not. A bean and a seed is two different things. It's actually a seed, and the seed, the name of the seed is a bean. That's why people have that misconception. Coffee is made from coffee beans, but it's actually a misconception. Yeah. Chameleons, those of you who like nature, chameleons change their color to match their surroundings. You've heard that, right? It's a misconception. Because in reality, chameleons change color as a response to their mood or their temperature, uh, the light, and, and actually they communicate with other chameleons by changing their color. So that's, that's, what, you know, that's why it's changing color. It has nothing to do with their surroundings. Here's one that you probably heard many times You need to wait an hour after you eat before you can swim safely. <laughs> You've heard that one before? <laughs> You know, um, it's funny because, you know, my wife and I talk about this all the time. My mother had some interesting beliefs, things that she taught me as I was growing up. So related to this, she, she taught us that you had to wait an hour to take a shower after you ate dinner. You couldn't take a bath. You had to wait an hour. And Mary's like, what is that? But my mom taught, me, taught us this. You had to wait an hour... After you ate, to take a bath. If you didn't, you could have a seizure and die. Because, you know, taking a shower would mess up with your digestive, you know, process and everything. Now you think that's kind of, that's, that's dumb. But, but I, I'll tell you what, when we were growing up, my mother, anything my mother said was like scripture. My mother knew everything. And so my brother and I always believed that we would not dare take a shower until after an hour, you know, we were not there. So related to this is this concept, well, you've got to wait an hour before you go swimming because you can drown. Well, I mean, that's not necessarily true. Although, of course, you know, uh, as with any exercise after eating, you know, if you go swimming, you, it, it may be a bit uncomfortable because what happens when you eat is that the blood is shunted to the, uh, the, the the stomach area to aid in the digestive process, and so it takes blood flow from the muscles. And so, if you're doing any kind of exercise, it will be uncomfortable. But you're not going to drown. Right? Misconception. One one biblical one that we all often uh, uh, hear about, and you see pictures, is that the fruit, the forbidden fruit in Genesis, was an, an apple, right? And 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 uh, and. Many Christians still believe that. It was an apple. But the Bible doesn't say the name of the fruit, right? And in fact, I actually believe, that's my personal opinion, that it was a mango. I think it was a mango. Those mangoes from, from, from Latin America there are this big. Have you seen them? Oh, so good. Yeah, an apple. <laughs> and you know, studies have consistently shown that if we don't refute these misconceptions, they're not going to go away. At best, they may coexist with correct knowledge. And today, we're going to look at such misconception. Based on our scripture reading, let's go to the Bible. We're going to use our Bibles today. 2 Corinthians chapter 5 and verses 6 through 8. 2 Corinthians chapter 5 and verses 6 through 8. One common misconception based on this passage, 2 Corinthians 5 and verses 6 to 8, the words of Paul to the Corinthian church, he says, so we are always confident, knowing that while at home, while we are at home in the body, we are absent from the Lord, for we walk by faith, not by sight, we are confident, yes. Well, please, rather, to be absent from the body and to be present with the Lord. So this is a passage that oftentimes, when we talk about things like what the Bible says about death, right, about the non-immortality of the soul, as we believe, uh, um, those who, who have a different belief always often present this passage, and I would say, actually, they don't, they don't even quote the whole thing. They may just quote the last part of verse 8, and sometimes they actually misquote it. Because what it says, think about it, what it says, verse 8, we are confident, yes, well, please, rather to be absent from the body and to be present with the Lord. Oftentimes, the way this passage is quoted is the Bible says that to be absent from the body is to be present with the Lord. That's how oftentimes it is presented. But, but it is a passage that gives uh, some people a hard time to understand. And so, what is it that Paul is saying in this passage? Uh, what is he saying? What can we understand from what Paul is saying in here? And so, of course, like in any study, what do we need to do in order to understand a Bible passage? We research what? The context, right? We need to look at context in order to understand anything in Scripture, we need to look at context. To do this, we need to go to chapter 4. So we're going to go to chapter 4 real quick. We're going to look at the context of what Paul is saying so we can understand this controversial passage. So we're going to read in chapter 4, uh, verses 7-12, uh, through 12, and then verses 16 and 17. But at 2 Corinthians chapter 4, and verses 7-12, through 12, and then 16 and 17. The Bible says, but we have... This treasure in earthen vessels, that the excellence of the power may be of God and not of us. We are hard-pressed on every side, yet not crushed. We are perplexed, but not in despair. Persecuted, but not forsaken. Struck down, but not destroyed. Always carrying about in the body the dying of the Lord Jesus, that the life of Jesus also may be manifested in our body. For we who live are always delivered to death for Jesus' sake, that the life of Jesus also may be manifested in our mortal flesh. So then death is working in us, but life in you. And then verses 16 and 17, Therefore we do not lose heart, even though our outward man is perishing, Yet the inward man is being renewed day by day for our light affliction, which is but for a moment is working for us a far more exceeding and eternal weight of glory. There's a lot in those passages, but, but, but when we look at the whole thing, we can surmise what Paul is trying to tell us here. See, Paul is painting a picture of what he has been through since he became a follower of Jesus. You know, uh, Paul, uh, uh, you think about Paul's road to Damascus, right? And Jesus appears to him, and, and, and there he has a conversion, accepts Jesus becomes, you know, a follower of Christ. But from that moment on, Paul became enemy number one. The, the, you can see that the Jews, FBI's most wanted. They wanted to kill the man. And what we see in the life of Paul, when you follow uh, uh, the book of Acts in particular, uh, we see that Paul was consistently persecuted. Paul, uh, you remember, Paul was stoned and left for dead. So Paul is describing what he has been through. He says, he, he says that he was hard-pressed on every side, perplexed, persecuted, struck down. He talks about the, the outward man perishing. Now, think about this. If you know, mind you, by the way, you know, even though he has been he has gone through this experience, he doesn't lose his faith. He knows God is with him. He said, because he says, Yeah, I've been hard pressed, but I've been crushed. I'm perplexed but not in despair, persecuted but not forsaken, struck down but not destroyed. He knows God is taking care of it. And he does the same thing for us, by the way. But think about it, if if you had been through what Paul went through, right? How do you think that would affect your physical body? especially the older you get, right? The older you get, you know, you're being persecuted, you're being stoned and left for dead. That's going to have an impact on your body, right? It's going to have an impact on your physical body. And so Paul here is painting that picture. This is what he's been through. You know, and later on in chapter 4, he goes on to say, imitate me. I mean, what do we want to imitate? But, but, but he's been through this. He's been through this. And so when we come to chapter 5, Paul is still talking about the same thing, all right? got to understand that because we have a, a, a different chapter, some people feel that because there's a new chapter, well, it must be a new topic. But remember, the original manuscripts did not have you know, chapter divisions. So Paul is talking about the same thing. He's talking about, he's painting a picture of what he's been through. How has this affected his physical body? So let's go to chapter 5 now. Let's go to chapter 5 and start in verse 1. For we know that if our earthly house, this tent, is destroyed, we have a building from God, a house not made with hands, eternal in the heavens. So again, this is what Paul has been through. Paul is saying, this is what I've been through. This is how this has affected me. And then now in, verse, in, in chapter 5, verse 1, he says, talks about this earthly house. And he calls it this tent. He's making a contrast between a tent... And a building, not the same thing, right? A tent, we use it for camping. It's a it's a it's a temporary excuse me form of shelter. A tent, you know, uh, uh, not my camping, not my favorite um, activity. Although um, Lucy and and my son make fun of me because they they don't think I can put a tent together. I can put a tent together, but why would I want to put the tent together if they are so good at it? I can just sit back and let them do it. But you know, if I had a choice, last you know, two weeks ago we were at our our family retreat at at Cedars of Lebanon and we stayed in a cabin. We could have stayed in a tent, but I'd rather have a cabin. All the commodities. I'm sorry, it's just some I'm spoiled that way. A tent, again, is a weak, you know, flimsy, you know, form of shelter. You don't want to live in a tent forever, right? So Paul is talking about this tent being destroyed. In fact, the the word that he uses for tent in the Greek, skenos, only appears uh, twice in the New Testament. And it only appears here in 2 Corinthians. And Paul is using the word tent in a figurative way. He's not talking about a literal tent. He's using the word tent in a figurative way. right? Talking about what he's experienced, what his body has experienced. So notice he talks about this tent He's referring to himself, his physical body, this earthly house, this tent. A building, on the other hand, of course, is a more permanent structure, right? Yeah, it's a strong and a good foundation. It's not fragile. If a building has the right foundation, the storms will come, the winds will blow, but the building will remain. So, so Paul, think about this. Paul is looking, listen... I have been through through up and up and down, I've been through you know east and west. My body is is, is thinking a toll on my body. So he says, but listen, it, it doesn't matter because if this tent, this tent is destroyed, God has something better for me waiting. He's, and he calls that the, the building from God, a house not made with hands. And where is he going to get that new building? It's in heaven, right? It is eternal in the heavens. So he's optimistic. Yeah, I've been through you know, everything. My body's been subjected to everything, but that's okay. You know, Even if this is destroyed, God has something better waiting for me. Something not as flimsy and weak as a tent is a building from God and it's strong. He's looking forward to that. And I don't know about you, but I'm looking forward to it too. Verse two. For in this we groan, earnestly desiring to be clothed With our habitation from heaven. So again, we're we're still in the same line of thought here. I've been through this and that. I've been persecuted. This is taking toll on my body. If this is destroyed, that's okay. I got something better for me waiting in heaven. Because we groan. Now I know that some of you younger folks, some of you teens, and and you know maybe young adults. Can't relate to this, but um, you know, I, I know some of you are going to be able to relate to this. You know, I just turned 51. <laughs> I know some of you guys that are older say, I'm past 51. You're still a kid. But um, let me tell you, when I turned 50, this was a hard pill to swallow. It, it really, I'm just, just tough to, 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 and I'm 51. It's just it's all downhill now. There are things that I used to be able to do before that I can't do now. Yeah, there are things that I can't do more anymore. And it's, and it's hard, though, because, you know, let me give you an example. <laughs> what happens for, for, for us that are a little older now, when you're walking, you're carrying something, and all of a sudden it falls on the floor, you got to go get down there and get it. What do you do? You go, you go get in it, and then you go, Ugh! You're grown. Because all of a sudden, things start hurting that weren't hurting before. You know? Uh, this week, I was helping Jean-Luc move. And uh, we were carrying a dresser from the van to the house. And so uh, in the back, so there's some steps into the deck. And so I take the top. And, you know, so I'm pulling, and he's pushing. And so, all right, we get inside the house. And, and then there's another set of steps inside the house. So when, before we get into the steps, I had to put it down. Hold on, give me a second here. <laughs> and then he says, you want me to switch with you? I'll take the top. You, ta- and you take the bottom. Because I, th- this is what he's saying, you know. Uh, I know that your knees aren't what they used to be. I know what your back is not what they used to be. So let me help you out here. <sighs> We groan. In fact, the, the word that Paul uses here, this word groan, it actually means complain. We complain because it's just so hard these days. You know, I told you this before, but the, the, there's a picture that was taken of me when I was 17. I think I told you this before, where the, uh, um, I'm in the living room in, 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 this is in my house in Puerto Rico. I have jeans on my sh- and my shoes, but I don't have a shirt on. And so I am... Standing like this, with no shirt on. And so this is a 17-year-old body. So I have all the, you know, the divisions of my muscles. And, and you can see my six-pack. I'm 51. Now, I still have the six-pack. These days I get a little cold, so I need a little bit of insulation. So they cover my six-pack. It's still there. It's still there. But we groan, I mean, things are not as easy for us anymore, and so I imagine Paul is thinking the same thing. Yeah, I'm not sure how old Paul is at this point, but, but he's been through it all, he's been persecuted, he's been stoned, it's taking a toll on his body. He says, I groan, I complain. He was desiring this heavenly body, right? Earnestly desiring to be clothed or habitation from heaven. Aren't you? I tell you what, now that I, especially now okay, I can't do these things, I really want that heavenly body. Because it's a building from God. It's not a tent. It's something strong. I'm not going to have to complain when I, you know, go and pick up something from the floor. That's what Paul is saying. He's earnestly expecting that. I really want that that, that body that that God has in store for me. But now, when did Paul think he would receive this heavenly body? Was it immediately after death? That is the question. Well, the answer is no. And, And we know that because... Part of studying scripture, not only you have to study a passage in context, but you have to compare verses with verses on the subject, and Paul talks extensively about this. So go real quickly with me to Romans chapter, 20, uh, chapter 8, and verses 22 and 23. We've got to compare verses with verses to see what else Paul is saying. Romans chapter 8, and verses 22 and 23. Romans chapter 8, verses 22 and 23. You'll, you'll, you'll notice there's some similarities in wording uh, in verse 23 with the, the passage we just uh, read from 2 Corinthians 5.2. He says in Romans 8, 22 and 23, For we know that the whole creation groans and labors with birth pangs on together until now. Notice he's taught, he uses the same word groans, right? The, the whole creation is complaining, right? With with groans and labors. Uh, uh, Verse 23, not only that, but we also who have the first fruits of the Spirit, even we ourselves groan within ourselves. Notice, not only does creation groan and complain, but we do. That's what he says in verse 2 in 2 Corinthians, where we groan. Notice, eagerly waiting for the adoption, the redemption of the body. So think about the parallelism here. In, in 2 Corinthians 5.2, he says, For in this we groan, earnestly desiring to be clothed our heavenly uh, the habitation from heaven. In Romans 8.23, he says, even we ourselves groan within, our, uh, within ourselves, eagerly awaiting the adoption. So there's a parallelism there. This adoption that he talks about equates to being clothed, to be clothed with our habitation from heaven. But when will we be adopted? He says it right there in verse 23, the redemption of the body. So to be clothed with our habitation from heaven is equated to the redemption of the body. But when does the redemption of the body take place? Well Paul himself talks about it again. In 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verses 51 and 52, he talks about that we will shall be changed in a moment, in a twinkling of an eye, at the last trumpet, when this mortal shall put on immortality, when this corruptible shall put on incorruption. But that doesn't take place until the last trumpet. And when is that last trumpet? The second coming. First Thessalonians four sixteen. For the Lord himself shall descend from heaven with a shout, with the voice of the archangel, with the trumpet of God, and the dead in Christ shall rise first. Then we who are alive and remain shall be caught up to the clouds to meet the Lord in the air, and, and thus we shall always be with the Lord. So notice, the redemption of the body, according to Paul, takes place at the last trumpet, and the last trumpet is the second coming of Christ. So when Paul says, listen, we groan in this, earnestly uh, waiting to be clothed with our habitation for a yes, he's desiring that heavenly body, but he knows that that heavenly body, does not he doesn't get that heavenly body until the second coming of Christ. Is that clear? Does that make sense? This is what he's saying so far. Verses 3 and 4. If indeed, haven't been clothed, we shall not be found naked. For we who are in this tent grown, being burdened, not because we want to be unclothed, but further clothed that mortality may be swallowed up by life. So we've seen that being clothed here in this context, what Paul is saying equates to us the redemption of the body. When when, when we receive our glorified body, but that doesn't take place until the second coming. We've already seen that from his own writings. So that's what being clothed means. What do you think mean, means to be unclothed or to be naked? What is it? Perishing? Actually, death. He's talking about death. He, pa, pa, notice he, he, he didn't want to be unclothed. He, said, he says, we've we grown in this tent, being burdened, not because we want to be unclothed. Paul did not want to die. So so being enclosed is this condition of death, and death, of course, is the interlude between being clothed with this tent and being clothed with the heavenly tent. He knows that's the interlude that comes in between, right? So Paul realized that he did not pass instantly from being clothed with this tent to being clothed with our heavenly tent because death was in the way. It came in between, which he refers to being unclothed. So in essence, what Paul is saying is that in this body we complain we, we do earnestly seek uh, uh, want that heavenly body, but that doesn't mean we want to die. That doesn't mean he wanted to die. That's what he's saying. I mean, think about it. Death is unnatural for us. We will we, we do anything to protect our lives, you know. With few exceptions, people don't want to die. That's exactly what Paul is saying. I, 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 yes, I, I, God has something in store for me waiting, a heavenly a body, a building from God. I really want that body, but that doesn't mean I want to die. Because he knows death is in between. He knows death is in between. He will not receive this glorious body until the second coming of Jesus. That's when this body, the mortal shall put on immortality. When, uh, 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 like according to verse 4, when mortality is swallowed up by life. That's what he means. But there are those who will say, well, this, this heavenly building, this house eternal in the heavens, is actually the immortal soul which, you know, we immediately enter into heaven uh, once we die. Some people will say that. But we, we must understand that this term immortal soul is not found anywhere in the Bible. You can search from Genesis to Revelation, and nowhere you will find the word immortal next to the word soul. You will not find it. The only time that this uh, term immortal is attached to a being is in Paul's own writings to Timothy when he says that only God has immortality. So you won't find that. Furthermore, in chapters 4 and 5 here in 2 Corinthians, Paul doesn't even mention the word soul. So we, it can't be that. It can't be that. See, Paul is simply, what he's doing, is he's simply contrasting the present life with the most glorious life in heaven that awaits us. That's what he's, that's what he's doing. He did not want to die. That means he did not want to be unclothed when he would not be with the Lord, but but he longed to be clothed with our habitation from heaven. So while still in this life, friends, while still in this life, he would be clothed with the mortal body, just like you and I. But after mortality is swallowed up by life, he would have the immortal body, and that that building as opposed to the tent. But as we already seen, he himself says, it won't be until the second coming of Jesus. Oh, friends, as I said earlier today, we are people with a hope. Amen. We have a hope. Yes, we are getting older. Some of us are getting, some of the hair of some of us is getting whiter. I, I look myself up, um, I've been a pastor for nine and a half years. And um, I, I often might look at myself when I started being a Pastor Mary. there was a picture that was taken, sort of like a uh, head portrait, you know. When I, back in 2012, that's when I started being a pastor. And I look at myself, I had no white hair. Black hair and black hair. Yeah, I look like a stranger anymore. I don't know if being, having white hair has anything to do with being a pastor. Who knows? It may be. But, you know, some of us are getting white hair. Some of us, when we go to the doctor for our yearly checkup, they always give us a stronger prescription. We can't see as well, right? Some of us are not hearing as well either. Some of us, our mind is going. I will, I, that's just something that even happened last night. I had a brain cramp. You know how it is. You know, you, you know somebody's name perfectly. You're you you're all with with them, and all of a sudden you you're talking about this person, and all of a sudden, what's, what's this person's name? And I've I, 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 I got to say that it's, that's happening more than I care to say, to say. So uh, some of us um, maybe have some, some, I don't know, health problems. Diabetes, high blood pressure, heart disease, all those kinds of things that um, you know, are affecting your body. Or, or maybe it's something just as simple as not being able to do what you, were, what you used to do. Not being able to walk as you, you know, walk before or run how, how you run be, ran before. Yeah. So there are those of us who are burdened by this tent. Yes. But friends, we have a hope because a new body awaits us. A new body awaits us. This is what Paul is talking about. And and if you you doubt that, if you you doubt what Paul is saying about this new body, notice verse 5. Now he who has prepared for us this very thing is God. What very thing he's talking about? Well, that, that heavenly body, right? It's God. He's the one who's prepared it who has also given us the Spirit as a guarantee. God has given us a down payment for what's coming. If you doubt it, God has given us the Holy Spirit. Is a guarantee. In, in Ephesians 1.14, he says, You were sealed with the Holy Spirit of promise, who is the guarantee of our inheritance until the redemption of the purchased possession to the praise of his glory. So God is not going to take his word back. He's going to keep his promise, and and to let you know he's going to keep his promise, he's left the Holy Spirit as a guarantee that that we're going to get what he has promised. In this context, the new body, that that habitation from heaven that God purchased for us through the blood of Jesus. And because God has given us a guarantee, now we go to verses 6-8, which was our scripture reading, Paul says, so we are always confident. Why are we confident? Well, because God has given us a guarantee. He's given us the Holy Spirit. He said, listen, I'm going to keep my promise. We are confident knowing that while at home, while we are at home in the body, we are absent from the Lord. So clearly, I mean, this is common sense, right? If I'm alive right now, I'm, a, I'm present in this body. Well, I'm not with, with God yet. There's nothing controversial with that. We are not with Jesus yet. Jesus has not come back yet because he says that the redemption of the body is not until the second coming. So Jesus hasn't come back. Well, obviously, I'm not with God yet, okay? For we walk by faith, not by sight. We are confident, yes. So again, we are confident. We trust. I live by faith. God has given us the guarantee. I know because the Holy Spirit has been given to me. I know that what he promised for me, that new body, it's coming, right? So we are confident, Well, please rather to be absent from the body and to be present with the Lord. So in essence, what he's saying, listen, yes, I am confident of what's coming. But, you know, if it's all if it's all equal, I would rather be with God than would be present in this body. I rather be with God absent from this and to be present with the Lord. That's what he's saying. Notice he doesn't say to be Uh, absent from the body, is to be present with the Lord, like often it is misquoted. That's not what the passage says. When you read it in context, he's saying, yes, listen, this body's giving me a hard time. Uh, I want this new body. I earnestly seek this new body, not because I want to die, but I want it. God has promised it. I believe that he's given me the Holy Spirit. So yes, I would rather be absent from this and be present with the Lord. But when when are we present with the Lord? The second coming, right? Remember that uh, I think that part of the, the, the issue that people have is the conception of time after death, right? Yeah. I remember hearing a, 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 a sermon by Pastor Charles Stanley. Some of you maybe have heard of Pastor Charles Stanley, not an Adventist pastor. I think he retired uh, recently, He' based in Atlanta, Georgia. But he was a, a great speaker, great speaker, Charles Stanley. And I used to listen to him a lot. And I remember listening to a message where, in this particular message, he was refuting what we believe about death, about the death is the sleep. Right? John 11, John, when Jesus talks about Lazarus, remember he's dead, but he said, Lazarus is asleep. The word sleep is attached to death, is, is, is connected to death some 53 times in the Bible, both Old and the New Testament. Okay? But he was, he, in his sermon, he was saying, listen... If that is true, then dying would be a torture because you know if I have to wait 50 years or 500 years for the coming of Jesus, I, it would be a torture, and I would agree with that. If I am laying in the in, 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 in the box there, and and, and, and I'm in, and okay, I'm laying there in 50 years, and Jesus has not come back, and now 100 years, if I sure it would be torture. But there is no conception of time after death. And God's way is better because whether you died one year ago, whether you died yesterday, whether you died 500 years ago, it's the same for everybody. Your next conscious thought is seeing Jesus come in the clouds of heaven. God's way is better. God's way is better. And that is when, when you finally will put on this uh, uh, incorruption, when this mortal shall put on immortality. So just to seal this, when will we be in the presence of the Lord? All right. Just to seal this, look at First Thessalonians two nineteen. Look it up. First Thessalonians chapter two, in verse nineteen. But Paul asks a question. He, he, he makes a statement, asking a question, but he seals it right here, because the issue is again the controversial passage. We are confident, well pleased, rather to be absent from the body, and to be present with the Lord. So when are we present with the Lord? According to 1 Thessalonians four nineteen, he asks this question. For what is our hope? or joy, or crown of rejoicing. Is it not even you in the presence of our Lord Jesus Christ? When? At His coming. coming. It can't be any clearer than that, friends. It can't be any clearer than that. Misconceptions. Misconceptions. Based on a faulty understanding, incomplete information, not looking at context. And so, and this is what happens, friends. this, uh, This is a grave... The pun is intended there, it's a grave misconception. The idea that one goes to heaven right away or or, or to hell right away upon your death. And again, this passage, which is a difficult passage for some, is a a clear example of that. But that's not what Paul is saying at all. Isn't that great when you look at passages in context and you compare verses with verses, how clear things get? Even though it's a difficult passage, it, it clears it up. There's no problem with it. But you know, what, what, you know what's the clearest message of this passage, at least for me, is that you can take this to the bank. You can count on it. If Jesus is Savior and Lord of your life, you are going to rise from that grave. And when you rise from that grave, you're not, it's not like the movies where, you know, now that's Halloween, you know, think about Halloween tomorrow, right? So people, you know, the zombies coming up from the grave, right? All messed up looking. Well, that's not going to be us. Because when we rise from that grave, we will have that new body. Yeah? If Jesus is Savior and Lord of your life, you can count on it. God has in store for you something greater than you can imagine. You know, maybe you have uh, spent a lot of years dealing with and groaning because of this tent. You know? And maybe that's all you know. That's all you can Remember? When you rise up from that grave, either if you died and you rise up from that grave, or as, as Paul says, those of us who are alive will meet the Lord in the air, and so the Lord, you know, we'll be with the Lord forever. Yeah, we will have that new body there. I will be able to see my six-pack again. I won't need the insulation anymore. So you could see it. Uh, I look forward to that. Amen. Amen? Amen? You can take that to the bank. God has given us a guarantee in the Holy Spirit. So you can trust him. And I am looking forward to resurrection morning, aren't you? Not only because on resurrection morning we will see those our loved ones who we have, you know, sep- have been separated because of death. What a massive family reunion is that going to be? There's going to be laughs. There's going to be tears. There's going to be hugs. But then we will, we will be doing that enjoying that with this new body. I'm looking forward to that, aren't you? And and, and what are you going to do? Imagine, what are you going to do when you see Jesus after you have this brand spanking new body? Oh, man, I will kneel before him and and put my crown at his feet and thank him for making it possible for us to be there. But, you know, the only way you you can experience this is if Jesus is Savior and Lord of your life. If you have a loving, saving, surrendered relationship with jesus christ is that your relationship today because if it isn't then why wait anymore i don't know about you but you know why would you want to keep this old tent when god has something better for you and it's free all you have to do is accept the gift of salvation so accept it if you haven't done that and if you haven't maybe maybe some of you are still pondering and and, and wondering should i get baptized Should i make this decision finally don't wait anymore because God has given it all for you, and he has something better for your waiting. Receive Jesus in your heart. Amen. When we see Jesus, we will sing the glory song. Thanks for joining us. If you're ever in the Nashville area, come and visit us at the Nashville First Seventh-day Adventist Church. We're located at 2800 Blair Boulevard in Nashville, Tennessee. You may also visit us at nfsda.org.